Beloved by God Church, let us begin our service. Let us stand up and confirm the confessions of the faith of our heart, the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ be enthroned within our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your name for the great privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights that are not reachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service, as previously, all of the works of the devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance and error, all of this may depart from the tents of your holy nation. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your spirit, saturate us with your Holy Spirit, allow us to find your great face. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray continue to lead it with a powerful and mighty arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May be blessed. Please be seated. The Book of Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. The right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And to fulfill this decreeing commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, we need to put three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. We have already memorized them, and although we have memorized them, they have a great mystery that we need to continue to open up in every one of our services. And fulfilling this decreeing commandment to put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether salvation happens that is given to us as a guarantee in the format of a seed, which we need to obtain as a possession in the form of the, f- of the fruit of righteousness. And so everything God gives us, He gives us in the form of a seed, is a guarantee. It's not ours, but for it to become our possession, we need to produce it in the format of fruit. And so, for example, the promise, you and your house will be saved. This promise works only for a person who can take it and receive it in the form of a seed and then grow it. And he will need to grow it into the fruit of righteousness. And if a person has not grown it and has not produced the fruits of righteousness, then this promise is not his own, not even talking about others. I just took one example that actually affects us closely, our children. It is tightly knit with or tightly linked to the fruit of righteousness, the saving of our children, how important it is for us. People who do not want to listen to the truth, how 
the Lord converts the seed into fruit or a person grows this in themselves this is a person who hates their family hates their children and so fulfilling these we have been studying uh, the allegory that is contained in the 18th Psalm of David where knowing and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisted of the eight names of God allowing allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and gave God the legitimate ability to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together proclaim our destiny that is in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. Thank be to God who has made us worthy of these names in Jesus Christ. We will continue to study our inherited lot in Jesus Christ, studying the name of God, Rock, as our Rock of Israel. Lord, you are my Rock. And we needed to look at a series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel? Second, what purpose in the realization of our salvation is our inherited lot called to fulfill, consisted in the name of God, Rock of Israel? Third, what is the price that is required to be paid to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our Rock of Israel? And fourth, by what results can we determine that God is truly our Rock of Israel as it relates to the realization of our calling, which consists of the adoption of our, <clears throat> of our soul and our mortal body? And today we will study the third question. And so third question, what is the price that is required to be paid to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our Rock of Israel? First component of the price called to give God the legitimate ability to be our Rock consists in our decision to heed the commandments of the Lord, which will give us the power to the right to come out of Babylon. The Lord has said, run from Babylon. And this is a call that he had given to Israel. Second component of the price called to give God the legitimate ability to be our rock is us paying the price for the ability to dwell with the devouring fire of holiness. Isaiah 33, 14 through 16. The sinner in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. And so the Lord does not just tell us to come out from Babylon, to run from Babylon, to leave the Chaldeans. And the purpose is to come to Zion. And when a person comes to Zion, he is still a sinner. And he's also, there are sinners, there's unclean people. And so unclean people and sinners are those who do not acknowledge the order 
that exists upon Zion. The Lord has placed all of himself, all of his uh, relationships uh, when it comes to the Godhead, his holiness, his word. Uh, he has put all, he concealed all of this within his order, the order that consists upon Zion. And so one of those things is acknowledging the authority of God uh, that God has placed. And when God doesn't, a person doesn't acknowledge God's uh, order, he forsakes everything else that the Lord has offered, has presented, has shown from the Holy Spirit that would have served for our good. And so the sinner in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with the everlasting burnings? And so when the Lord speaks of these hypocrites, these sinners, he speaks of the devouring fire. When it's the wicked, when it's the lawless, the Lord says, I am the devouring fire. Devouring is not just in the form of eating, it's in a more uh, more extensive form, or we could say more, uh, he more aggressively speaks with them, and this is because they're wicked. There's also a, a consuming fire, and there's also a devouring fire. The Lord uh, devours and destroys everything that uh, is wicked in his in his presence. And so the Lord says, who can then live or dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell? And who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? And here it, here's the answer of who can. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. And what blessings is he to expect? He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. And so this is that person that collaborates with the name of God. Lord, you are my rock or the rock of Israel. He will give him these blessings. In the given allegory, the reward for our ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness of the Most High are four separate signs, four blessings. We will dwell on high. Our place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread from above will be given to us in the form of his word. The living water of the Holy Spirit received by us as the Lord and master of our life has, who has become water in our heart will be sure. And so he will continually be there as our Lord and Master to be able to reveal to us the significance, the meaning of his word. He will never reveal the meaning of his word, his mighty word, until we receive this word in the form of wisdom. The Holy Spirit comes as wisdom when we receive the word of God as wisdom. I will place wisdom in the heart of the wise, a heart that already has truth in, in it, the elementary teaching. And the, so this is the reward, and so the price for the right to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the fruit of holiness in our heart is the fruit of holiness in our heart, which stands guard of the holiness of the Most High. And so this person will walk righteously and speak uprightly in his heart. 
He will despise the gain of oppressions. He will gesture with his hands, refusing bribes. He will stop his ears so he not hear of bloodshed, and he shall shut his eyes from seeing evil. And so we will pay attention to the price for the right to the power to live upon Zion with the devouring fire representing the image of the holiness of the Most High. And so what is the cost? What is the price? The first condition which when fulfilled is the price which gives us the right to the power to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of God is the requirement to walk righteously and speak uprightly in your heart. Psalm 15, 1 Two. We also read the same in the book of Isaiah, and now we see the same thing presented in the words of David. A psalm of David, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle, whom may dwell in your upon your holy hill, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Relevant to this, it is necessary for us to look at the essence of these questions. What is righteousness and truth in its essence as well as its definition? And what purpose is righteousness and truth called to fulfill within our relationship with God? What does the price and the requirement consist of giving us the ability to abide in, the tr- in truth and righteousness? Third, what conditions do we, do we need to fulfill to keep ourselves within the boundaries of truth and righteousness? And by what results can we determine then that God is truly our rock of Israel in the realization of our calling? As we see in the first question, the Lord, through our pastor, has shown us the definition, the identification of righteousness and truth. And in the second and in the and the third question, he showed the price. Uh, the, the first price is the ability to receive and abide in this truth. And then the other is the necessity to keep, to keep ourselves within the boundaries of this truth. And fourth, fourth question, by what results can we determine that we are within, uh, or that God truly is our rock, that we are within the territorial boundaries of truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness, abiding in the house of the Most High. And so speaking of the results, the results are the fruits of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness by which we can determine that we truly possess the nature corresponding to the nature of God and not a counterfeit of such a nature. The results are the fruits of righteousness. And we will study today these results, or these fruits of righteousness, which will testify of the fact that we have the nature that corresponds to God's nature. And this gives us the right to live with the devouring fire of holiness. If we don't have the nature of God, then this devouring fire will just destroy us as a sinner and as a wicked person. And so let's look at these results. We looked at two shortly. And we will go on to the third after we remember the first two. First, one of the results of us being within the boundaries of truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness, abiding in the house of the Most High, is the ability to confront any weapon formed against us and every tongue that will rise in judgment against us. 
and which we together will overcome and condemn. And we were able to note for ourselves here that every tool and every tongue, every tool is, this is not just something uh, that is out of us. We also have it in us as well, which is our intellect or that area of the soul that has not been submerged into the, death, into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the enemy uses against us. And not just this tool, but also the tongue that will use our intellect against us ourselves. We, our soul that is not renewed <clears throat> in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ will, with its tongue, kill us ourselves and this tool is also carnal people who don't have the spirit who want the role of the apostles and churches or ignorant people that are always either seeing something dreaming something that <clears throat> also can be a tool in the synagogues of Satan idol houses anything that has not been submerged into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and and renewed and these will be words that will contend with us which will go against us in uh, in judgment and we need to condemn this tongue in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ when our soul goes through the process of the death that it should in the, in the death of Jesus Christ Next result, that we are within the boundaries of truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness. Abiding in the house of the, of the Most High is us being known in heaven, on earth, and in hell. Sometimes you can be known on earth when, when, when a person is visible and people call them generals of God. And sometimes they are only known on earth and not in heaven or hell. And Apostle Arkady asks the question, how can it, what must we do to be known in heaven, in hell, and on earth? There aren't those that are known in hell and on earth, but are not known in heaven. But those that are known in heaven, they're known about also on the earth, and they're very well known in hell. This is the kind of, of, this is not talking about popularity, as it were, or PR, but people lose their calling in Jesus Christ, and they forsake the callings uh, of being pastors and become instead bloggers or some other titles that they consider to be maybe more prestigious in the world. What makes us known in heaven, on earth, and in hell? What makes us known is what made God known. What made God known in the form of Jesus Christ in heaven, on earth, and in hell? His work as a redeemer, because he left his mark as a redeemer, and he died for our sake and went to hell, and left his mark in hell and with his blood he went to heaven and sat upon the throne and became the median for us 
Jesus as the Redeemer. He is known in heaven, on earth, and in hell. If you look upon the internet, the most popular name known on earth is the name of Jesus Christ, not Buddha, Muhammad, or any other. They're not known in the same way. The most famous name, well-known, and the internet itself will confirm that, that this is the name of Jesus Christ. There's no one uh, known more than his name. And the most popular book, this is a very uh, liberal uh, media will even tell you, the most popular book, they acknowledge that the Bible is the most popular and the name of Jesus Christ is the most popular individual that has ever been known on earth. And so Pastor has shown that when we work with the name of the Lord as Redeemer, then our names are known in in heaven, in hell, and on earth. Job had said, I know that my Redeemer lives. He didn't say, I feel. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. And the Lord began to boast about Job to the devil. The devil knew Job. God knew Job. Why? Because Job boasted about the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, who left his mark in hell. He was known on earth, and with his blood he went to heaven. And so to collaborate with the name Redeemer means we will become known, just working with the collaborating with the blood of Jesus Christ. The 24 elders say what? They mention the Jesus Christ as the Redeemer. You redeemed us from every nation, tongue, people, tribe. They know that to be known, they need to speak of His redemption. And we state, Lord, thank you for your redemption, and not just state that, that He's redeemed us from sin, He redeemed us from the curse of the law. You have become the curse for us. You redeemed us from ourselves. He has redeemed us from what? But the Lord wants to hear what He has redeemed us from. Lord, you redeemed my spirit. You have adopted, you've delivered my mortal soul and adopted my body. This is what hell does not want to hear, and this is what heaven does want to hear, the fullness of redemption. And so, an amazing component that our fame or being known in in this case as miracles, signs, rebuking demons do not make people known. Those who are called, they came to Jesus and he told them, I rebuke demons in your name. And he said, go get away from me. I don't know you. And so Jesus did not know them at all. They said, well, we were generals. We did so much for you. But but Jesus was like, no one knows you here. And so we've noted how important it is to thank God as our Redeemer and state what He has redeemed us from. This will then make us known in heaven, on earth, and in hell. Third component of the result of being within the boundaries of truth and righteousness 
giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness is the ability to depart from evil. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Proverbs 14.16 Who is this wise man? A wise man is a person who has good soil in his heart, who is that is able, by listening to the preached word of truth, to receive the seed of the kingdom of heaven and grow it in the Eden of his heart into the fruits of righteousness. This is a wise person. I receive the seed of the word of truth and I grow it into the fruit of righteousness. This is a wise person. And to turn away and depart from evil, it is necessary to understand and apprehend one thing, Apostle Arkady writes, that is that everything that comes from the heart of man, a heart not cleansed from dead works, regardless of what attractive packaging you put it into, is evil in God's sight. And so to turn away and to depart from evil is not only turning away from any thought coming from your personal flesh, but also turning away and departing from carriers of similar nature of evil. We need to examine ourselves as to whether we truly are turning away and departing from evil. And to examine ourselves that we truly are turning away and departing from evil, it is necessary to examine our heart. For what? Our relationship with the foolish woman, one who is clamorous, simple, and knowing nothing. This foolish woman implies foolish, clamorous, simple, and knowing nothing pseudo-charismatic services oriented on rebuking demons and evangelism where they can make themselves popular. Proverbs 9, 13 through 18. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. For she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there that her guests are in the depths of hell. But you avoid and keep, and so it continues to say that you will continue walking, and this way you will avoid this stolen water and don't drink from the water, the, the waters of another. And so this is that first principle where the scriptures say, <clears throat> that we need to avoid these services, these kinds of churches. What do they say? They say, our water stolen and our bread eaten in secret is pleasant. They steal from the anointed of God, God's revelations, and they present it in their name. They sit at the highest places and begin to point at the nation of God, saying, listen, you, and they began to uh, speak uh, things that were given to pastor. We had someone who would take the entire sermon of pastor and then he would filter through it and everything he didn't like he would remove and he kept everything, especially when it came to uh, how he should be treated. And Pastor Pastor Arkady stopped this. He warned him once, twice, three times. The person did not understand, and he needed to 
stop that from continuing. To examine ourselves as to whether we truly are turning away and departing from evil, we need to examine ourselves and whether there is a relationship with political rebels who rise against the government of their country. The scriptures say, what do we need to do to keep away from all evil, turn away and keep away, depart from evil? And so how do we depart from these false, these pseudo-charismatic services, democratic services, where, where there are thieves? It says, run away from such people, avoid, do not stop and look around, keep walking. And so we need to examine ourselves as to whether we have a relationship with with these political rebels, and this includes all net nationalities. Proverbs 24, 21 through 22. My son, fear the Lord and the king. The Lord and the king do not associate with those given to change, not upon the Red Square or in Maidan. I'm, I'm just adding that here. And there are reasons that are they're being mentioned. For their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin those two can bring. And so again, do not uh, have a relationship with these kinds of rebels. To examine ourselves as to whether we truly are returning away and departing from evil, it is necessary to examine ourselves and whether we have a relationship with angry and furious men. Proverbs 22, 24 through 25. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. And so why do we not, why should we not be friends with an angry and furious person? So you not become like this. To examine ourselves as to whether we truly are turning away and departing from evil, we need to examine ourselves and if we have a relationship with those who have the look of godliness but deny its power. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. We're talking about wisdom, the wise departs from evil and so you depart from such people who have the look of godliness but deny its power all of these characteristics that we just listed and so you may ask who in our church uh, is like this or has these characteristics the old man has these characteristics and so I don't look around to the sides uh, the sister or brother maybe that I may uh, be thinking of, but you apply this to yourself. You apply this to yourself. Uh, if you remember how Pastor explains how a dog uh, drinks, he laps the water. He, he. If you look at hit the tongue of a dog, he laps it. He he swoops it up and he pushes it upward. And he said to Gideon, "Who will?" drink in the classical way by bending, uh, sitting, standing on their knees to take some water, but those who will lap, uh, these are the ones you need to choose. 
And so these 300 people, then, I will use to uh, give you victory. And so when we apply the word to to ourselves and not uh, look to the sides of who else that could be about or who may have these kinds of characteristics. And so it's very important to understand that. To examine ourselves as to whether we truly are turning away and departing from evil, it is necessary to examine ourselves as to whether we belong to those men who shake hands in a pledge and have surety when it comes to debt. Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is sure, who is, is sure for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should you... Why should he take away your bed from under you? Proverbs 22, 26, 27. If you vouch for a person, you need to have this upon your account. Or if someone asks you for some, uh, a certain amount, you don't say yes or no. And I've heard people say, well, I will never loan to another person. No, you can. But if you uh, you loan in a way that if this person happened to not pay you back or return that money, you still will not suffer uh, in, suffer because of it uh, for yourself in your in your situation. If you vouch for another, uh, don't vouch if you uh, for example don't vouch for another if if somebody wants to loan something if you cannot actually return that yourself if that person happens not to return it. So when we loan, we give a loan, we, we loan to somebody else. We also don't need to be going in and this insisting uh, uh, if, if, if this is the case, then it's better not to loan at all or to lend anything to, to someone else. Again, if this is going to uh, cause issues or problems for you, then it's better not to in this case. To examine ourselves as to whether we truly are turning away and departing from evil, we need to examine ourselves and whether we have a relationship with those who are tale-bearers, who reveal secrets, and who flatter with their lips. Proverbs 20.19 He who goes about as a tale-bearer revealing secrets, therefore do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. And so I look at myself, Lord, not to communicate with these kinds of people, I also need to not be a tale-bearer, revealing secrets, and not flattering with my lips. And so these are the qualities I should not have as well. To examine ourselves as to whether, and I say this as we're talking about the dog and lapping up the water, we, this is really what we're doing. We're lapping up this water. We're applying all this to ourselves. To examine ourselves as to whether we truly are turning away and departing from evil, it is necessary to examine ourselves and whether we have a relationship with people who think that godliness is a means for gain. 1 Timothy 6, 3-8 If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud knowing nothing but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, rivaling evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds, and dispute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, from such withdraw yourself. Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. 
To examine ourselves as to whether we truly are turning away and departing from evil, it is necessary to examine ourselves and if we have a relationship with people that have strayed from the from the truth. 2 Timothy 2.15-21 Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth but shun profane and idle babblings for they will increase to more ungodliness and their message will spread like cancer who have strayed concerning the truth saying that the resurrection is all already past and they overthrow the faith of some nevertheless the solid foundation of god stands having the seal the lord knows those who are his his and let everyone who who names the name of Christ apart from from iniquity, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. We need to keep in mind that vessels of wood and clay can only exist in the great house, in our <clears throat> in 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 the te- temporary time. The great house in heaven will have a place for vessels of gold and silver. Therefore, the vessel of wood and clay are vessels of wrath and destruction because they rejected the will of God for them. To examine ourselves as to whether we truly are turning away and departing from evil, we need to examine ourselves as to as if we have a relationship with people who belong to the category of evil company. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And so, do not be with evil company, for they corrupt good habits. And so when a person comes and repents, for example, I'll say, please uh, uh, stop having any kind of relationship or communication with these types of people. But a person sometimes will say, well, this is my family members. Unfortunately, sometimes sin is legalized and we need to put an end to that uh, for ourselves. Or what kind of relationship then will I have? Uh, The fact that the relatives doesn't mean anything. Uh, it says evil company corrupts good habits. If our relatives are evil company, then I shouldn't have any kind of fellowship with them. Maybe you could say hi and bye, but there's nothing, no other conversation that could really take place. There's nothing that you will have even in common to speak of. To examine ourselves as to whether we truly are turning away and departing from evil, it is necessary to not violate each other's sovereign rights, which outline boundaries of our responsibility. Proverbs 22.28 Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. And so I don't have the right to violate the sovereign rights of another person. This was the third component. Fourth component of the result of being within the boundaries of truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness, is the ability to listen and obey the instructions of your father. Proverbs 13, 1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. 
It is not referring to our fathers in the flesh, from the seed of whom we have inherited this, the old and sinful nature. Therefore, a father in our church is a person is the person that is clothed by the Holy Spirit into the authority of a father of God. A wise son is a person that listens to the word of the person clothed by the Holy Spirit into the authority of a father of God. A son who is a scoffer is a person of the flesh who does not know what comes from the Spirit of God by the person whom God has sent and considers it foolishness. <clears throat> this is the scoffer. What is a scoffer? So we not be this way. The wise listens to the instruction of the father and correction, but a scoffer does not. A scoffer, who pr- one who praises himself, boasts about his own mind, a blasphemer, a mocker, a detractor, one that trusts in his own mind, one who does not acknowledge the authority of a father over, over himself, one who refuses correction, one that hates correction, one that goes astray in his ways, one that bends away from the path of righteousness, coming from the instruction of the Father. This is a scoffer. To examine ourselves as to whether we have the qualities of a wise son and that we listen to our Father, we we do this by examining how we take correction given by our Father. <clears throat> Here we can determine whether we are a wise son or a scoffer. How we take correction. And so when If there's uh, information being given, of course it's pleasant, but sometimes there's correction. And correction can be sometimes in a very soft form. But if we're continually breaking and breaking and breaking a command, sometimes there needs to be a a little bit more of a serious uh, form of correction given. Uh, And so the way we react, how we take this correction will determine what kind of son we are. We need to immediately note that instruction upon the path of righteousness is always correction. However, correction is not always instruction. When God, for example, corrects the wicked and lawless, such correction is not instruction for them upon the path of righteousness. When God corrects this wicked and lawless again, this is not, again, instruction, but just correction. Proverbs 15.10 Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. And so when the father corrects the scoffer, not this is not to instruct him upon the path of righteousness, but to correct him, give this correction uh, for his own par- for, for his own uh, for his own doom. There are those that uh, were corrected and they came to repentance and others who are corrected who fall. When he corrects his wise son, he sets him upon the path of righteousness. When he corrects the wicked, he corrects him to his own doom. And a lot of the people have been in the service also, but then uh, resisted the truth. These are people that often were corrected for something just even in the understanding of scripture that for example the Bible as it is written that this is Logos and we had a person who kept insisting no this is Rhema pastor said why is there so many then denominations why is it that when we're in one church we're in one denomination everyone has his opinion 
if if it's already understood, Rhema, this is Logos, and this is the word of God that needs to be explained by a person who is sent by God, an apostle. And this helper who, who received this correction did not like it, and because he was insisting that it was Logos, and he flew out of the church. This was a form of correction. If a person is a wise son, this instruction will set us upon the path of righteousness. If it is a scoffer, then it will be for his own destruction. And so again, when when our pastor corrects us, how do we react to it? Fifth component of the result of being within the boundaries of truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of God, is the ability to withhold our anger. Proverbs 29.11 A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Although in this proverb the wise person as well as the foolish man have anger in themselves, the difference lies in the fact that the wise man withholds his anger and the foolish man vents all of his wrath. What is anger that a foolish person vents and that a wise person withholds offense being stirred up indignation irritation the presence of wrath that can be demonstrated in either a hot or cold moment in words of condemnation and also causing loss of health or possession to another a wise man by the means of the grown by him fruit of of gentleness or meekness will withhold his anger by restraining his tongue. At the same time, the foolish man will be venting all of his anger. Ecclesiastes 7.9 Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. And so although anger can visit a wise man, it cannot nest in his heart. Wrath can visit a man, anger can visit a man, but it can never rest in your heart. Psalm 4, 4 through 5. Be angry and do not sin. Who did he say this to? To the foolish? No. He said this to the wise. Because anger is that quality that God also has. He he pours out his anger upon the wicked and lawless. He, he pours out his anger upon our poverty, our illnesses, our misfortunes, death, that have power. He looks up upon all of this with great wrath, and this is God's quality. He This is how he looks up, upon things uh, that are hateful to him, and we do too. And so be angry and do not sin. Psalm 4, 5, 6 Be angry and do not sin But what do we do to not sin? What do we do so we not say it with our mouth? A person has violated my, my, my boundaries Someone comes up and says What have you done? Uh, how are you putting your makeup on? Or how you're dressed? No one has the right No one has the right to be uh, saying these things to another. 
<clears throat> this is a violation of boundaries. If a person comes uh, naked, for example, yeah, the, you can. Uh, uh, I can come up to them and tell them. But if you begin to correct a person because of his tastes for his style, uh, <clears throat> sometimes uh, when a person is corrected like this, a person becomes angry because uh, his his boundaries have been violated. And so what do we do to not sin in this case? Meditate within your heart, on your bed, and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. And so how do we be, how can we be angry and not sin? Anger needs to have its place, but to not sin, we need to meditate within our heart, on our bed, and be still. The verb meditate in Hebrew means force yourself to boast about the Lord. Confess the faith of your heart, stating who God is to you in Jesus Christ, what God has done for you in Jesus Christ, and who you are to God in Jesus Christ. The verb be still in this situation in Hebrew means humble yourself under the strong arm of God, and He in His time will lift you up. And so when your sovereign rights are being violated, if someone comes and, t- comes to your, and offends you to your face, for example, uh, you say, Lord, thank you for who you are to me. You are my Redeemer. You shed your blood for me. I'm your child. And so you state again what he's done for you and who you are. And he loves you. And and so this anger then ch- changes into great joy. And so unfortunately... Uh, due to ignorance, people begin to correct and, and tell people how they need to look or what, what they may have wrong with them. <clears throat> Apostle Paul, using the given to him by God principle, wrote, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Romans twelve nineteen. Give place to the wrath of God means call for God's judgment upon your offender, but may our judgment not be upon him. <clears throat> when Saul, for example, was per, uh, pursuing uh, David, he did not want David did not want to hurt Saul uh, because he did say that whatever it may be, but I will not raise my hands against Saul. The wisdom of a wise person consists in him withholding his anger against an offender. And by doing this, he honors God as he gives place to God's wrath, calling upon God so that he judges between him and his offender, just as David did in his situation. If we are able to withhold our anger and give place to the wrath of God, calling God's judgment upon our offender, then this means that we are within the boundaries of truth and righteousness. Considering that wrath quickly overgrows into an offense and then into hatred, which demands vengeance and revenge, Apostle Paul in another one of his books wrote, Ephesians 4.26, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the, the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. 
if by the setting of the sun we do not stand upon the neck of our wrath, legitimate wrath, we're talking about legitimate wrath, somebody's violated your rights or your boundaries, they didn't have the right and a person thought they had the right to do it, they come to you and they say, what do you, uh, say something to you <clears throat> and so uh, if by the sending of the sun we do not stand upon the neck of our wrath we will give in our heart place to the devil therefore Apostle James wrote so then my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear slow to speak slow to wrath for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God James one nineteen twenty. therefore a wise man who withholds his anger is a person who dis- disciplines his mouth with gentleness grown in his spirit, which is the tree of life in the Eden of his heart, and serves as evidence that he abides in truth and righteousness. Proverbs 15.4 A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. This is the wonderful instruction we've received. How we need to... uh, What we need to do and how do we handle wrath. Sometimes a person has the right to correct you. This is a legitimate, uh, a legitimate correction. It's wrath in this case. Wrath, which that is legitimate, is when your uh, rights are violated or your boundaries are violated, and you have this anger inside. But if you were corrected, and so we need to immediately become free of this offense within our heart uh, this uh, this anger and st- stand upon the neck of our anger whether it be illegal or or legitimate or not if by the setting of the sun we do not place we we do not stand upon the neck again of this anger that's in us whether it's, it's legitimate or not legitimate because even if you had it and it was not legitimate inside of you or you, you shouldn't have it, uh, you allow God to judge. You don't do it yourself. You make the decision to become free of the legitimate or not legitimate wrath that may be inside or anger. I repeat it because first for, uh, I applied this for my, to myself. Sixth component of the result of being within the boundaries of truth and righteousness giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of God is to be on the path that leads from death to life. Proverbs 11:19. As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Righteousness moving us from the atmosphere of, of death to the atmosphere of life consists in brotherly love, which con- constitutes, according to scripture, kindness in the form of the greatest good work. Brotherly love is kindness and the greatest good work, which moves us from the atmosphere of death to the atmosphere of life. 1 John 3, 14, 15, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. What is brotherly love? Brotherly love is a discipline This is not emotion, this is a discipline which can be exposed exclusively in the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord. Brotherly love is not emotions or feelings, it's a discipline. Discipline is 
a lesson. We need to we need to master. We need to apprehend it, and we need to pass the test, which can be exposed exclusively in the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord. If in the heart of man the fear of the Lord will not be present and his heart will not abide in the fear of the Lord establishing the norms of a legitimate relationship between man and God and with one another a person will not have any opportunity or ability to demonstrate the selective love of God in brotherly love Proverbs 14 26 27 in the fear of the Lord there's a strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death It's not just brotherly love, uh, but also the fear of the Lord, which turns us away from death. If our relationship in brotherly love satisfies the norms which the fear of the Lord establishes, when we fear, say the fear of the Lord, this is God's commandments, then this means that we are within the boundaries of truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of the Most High. Here I've noted that I need to pass from the state of death to the state of life. And we do this by brotherly love. This is again not emotion, but discipline. What kind of discipline? The kind that demonstrates itself in the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord. It is identified in the Holy Scriptures. And when we behave according to the commandments, the Apostle writes, have peace with all men, if if it's possible, then have peace with all men. But is it possible to have peace with all men from our side? Of course, we cannot have peace with the lawless or the wicked, or with those, anyone whom the Lord does not have peace with. But those that we can have peace with, the scriptures say we need to have, try to have peace with all men. This is again a a discipline. Seventh component of the result of being within the boundaries of truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of God, is having the morning star in your heart, which is testimony of righteousness. Revelations 2, 26-28 And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. To whom? The one that overcomes. He will give them the morning star. Obtaining the morning star is discovering a revelation in your heart, which is in the fruit of the grown by us Methuselah, which will be a guarantee in our heart, testifying of the fact that we will be raptured, and we will meet the Lord upon the clouds and will forever be with Him. We need to receive the revelation in our heart in the fruit of the grown by us, Methuselah. He, Methuselah is that guarantee, not just the born Methuselah, but the Methuselah who is grown, as our pastor is explaining to us now, at, and at giving this information to us on Sundays. And so this revelation is in the fruit of the grown by us, Methuselah. Again, not just born, but grown. When we walk before God, when Methuselah was growing, this was was identified as walking before God. 
Hebrews 11.5, By faith Enoch was taken away, so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And this testimony is receiving into the good soil of our heart the seed of promise, which we are called to grow into the fruits of righteousness, called to rule within our body as the stronghold of life, so that you can then uh, transform your mortal body into an imperishable body. And it will be in the likeness of the maker and finisher of our faith. And so, in the form of truth, we receive the promise. We receive Methuselah in the form of a seed. And when do we receive him in the form of a seed? When we establish our justification. Justification needs to be established. And when we have established this justification, only after this can we begin growing this fruit of righteousness before we have established our justification. Because to grow the fruits of righteousness is growing your Methuselah. justification that we receive freely is the ability to bear Methuselah, but to grow Methuselah is to pass from the seed of promise to the grown fruit. And so the fruit of righteousness it is called to rule within our mortal body as the stronghold of life. What is the stronghold of life? This is the fruit of righteousness. This is the stronghold of life. Hosea 2.14.15 Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfort to her. I will give her vineyards from there, and the valley of Accor as a door of hope. She will sing there as in the day of her youth, as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. The place where God will speak to our heart, to be able to place his guarantee of his unique testimony, is the, the wilderness this is a symbol of absolute sanctification for the purpose of absolute dedication so you can serve God. And we see that the harlot also, when uh, John was in spirit in the wilderness, in the wilderness he saw this uh, harlot sitting upon the beast, the false bride. She was also in the wilderness in sanctification. But when you ask the harlot, why are you sanctifying yourself for the sake of sanctification? the bride of the Lamb, why are you sanctifying yourself for the sake of dedicating myself to God? I sanctify myself so that I could, I could dedicate myself to the Lord. And so what will the Lord do in this wilderness of sanctification for the, for the purpose of dedication? Three aspects of what God will do in this wilderness. From the wilderness of sanctification, God at the door of rapture returns the lost by us vineyards. <clears throat> what does this mean? To return to us our lost vineyards. This is the restoration of our calling, where we are called to demonstrate holiness, giving us the right to the power to perform righteousness consisted in God's justice. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, 8 For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. And so in the wilderness of sanctification, the Lord restores our calling. 
he says he will give us our vineyards. Vineyards is not just demonstrating justice, this is demonstrating holiness. Holiness which gives us the right to perform justice. And so you say, oh, the Lord has given us vineyards, now we can proclaim God's justice. You can't do it like that. God gives us in the wilderness these vineyards, and these vineyards are that the Lord wants to demonstrate His holiness in us. And because of the holiness we demonstrate, we can then perform God's justice. His, his justice, these are the works of righteousness and works of sanctification. And who can do these? The person who has in his heart the truth, because righteousness is truth in action, or the works of righteousness or the works of justice can have the perfect and absolute truth in his heart. And so, when the Lord in the wilderness returns to us our vineyards, this does not give us the right to justice, to, to judge as we as we will. No, he turns us to holiness and the holiness of, uh, of God in us allows us to perform judgment or justice. Second, in the wilderness of sanctification, God returns to us the lost to us or lost by us valley of a core. This is receiving the Holy Spirit into our heart as the Lord and Master of our life in the form of the Feast of the Pentecost. If you remember Achan and what was found in his tent, these were the beautiful garments that he had stolen and the, and the gold that he had stolen. He had concealed the Feast of the Pentecost. And so in the wilderness, the Lord returns to us the Valley of Accor. And so the true Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit, instead of being our guest, now becomes our master. And so, during the Feast of the Pentecost, all of our debts are now uh, are handled or paid, and we are then to receive all of our, our lands back that used to be ours or that we used to own. Leviticus 25, 39-43, And if one of your brethren who dwells by you by you becomes poor and sells himself to you, you shall not compel him to serve as a slave, as a hired servant, and as a sojourner he shall be with you, and shall serve you until the year of Jubilee. And then he shall depart from you, and he and his children with him, and shall return to his own family, he shall return to the possession of his fathers, for they are my servants whom I bought out of the, brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over him with rigor, but you shall fear your God. And so you cannot then, if a person become, became poor, your brother, you don't, you don't take him in as a slave, but just as, a, as, as someone you hired. The symbol of our brother this is the symbol of the law of Moses in the body of Christ. <clears throat> Let us see ourselves in this in this place. And so we we became poor, we were sold to our brother. And so Pastor allows us to see who we are in this in this allegory. We see ourselves 
as the person who had become poor. And this is correct. The symbol of our brother, to whom our body was sold, when we became poor, is a symbol of the law of Moses and the body of Christ. To become poor is by the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, we die for the law, by the law for the law, so that we can belong to the resurrected Christ. And so when I read this, I saw a, a beauty here. How can I, it be that, what can I do so that my brother, in the form of the law, not treat me with rigor, not treat me severely? And so, Pastor here shows that we need to become poor, and to be poor is that we need to, by, by the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, die by the law for the law. And so, then my brother can uh, take me on as someone of, for hire, and this person who has been become poor and then was sold to his brother in the, in the year of Jubilee, as we read here, the Lord says, I will return to you the Valley of Accor. The Valley of Accor is to return the, all that has been lost. And to return all that has been lost, we need to become impoverished first. And so for me, in the year of the Pentecost, during the, the Feast of the Jubilee, I need to become poor. I need to sell myself and be with when when it comes to our relationship with the law not be as a slave of sin this is when I in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ die for my nation the house of my father and for myself and now the Lord sees the law sees me in Jesus Christ not as a slave of sin but as a person who in the year of the Pentecost received all of his inheritance and so you may say well explain to me what does it mean to be given these this <clears throat> valley of a core? I become poor so that the law of Moses not see me as a slave of sin again, but as someone who in the year of the Pentecost, uh, that I be blessed together with the others and receive everything that is mine back. He returns to us our vineyards. He gives us holiness. And in this holiness, he allows us to perform justice and judgment in the wilderness he returns to us this valley of a core we see that we need to become poor so that we can receive the inheritance in the year of jubilee <clears throat> and the third also in the wilderness of sanctification god returns to us the lost by us youth where we coming out of egypt sang songs to god this symbolizes clothing our mortal body into the new man. And there's a place of scripture, Isaiah 19, 19-25, that speaks of how our mortal body will be putting on the new man. In that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt. <clears throat> in that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar to the Lord at its border. And it will be for a sign and for a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. If they will cry to the Lord because of the oppressors, and he will send them a savior and a mighty one, and he will deliver them. 
then the Lord will be known to Egypt, and the Egyptians will know the Lord in that day, and will make sacrifice and offering. Yes, they will make a vow to the Lord and perform it. And the Lord will strike Egypt, He will strike and heal it. They will return to the Lord, and He will be entreated by them and heal them. In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrians will come into Egypt and the Egyptians into Assyria, and the Egyptians will serve with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be one of three with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the land, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed is Egypt, my people, and Assyria the works of my hands, and Israel my inheritance. In that day, Israel will be one of the three. The Jews will be the third. What, what is this interesting day? This is at the door of our, our hope. This is a unique day. And so our apostle allows us to see Assyria, Egypt, and Israel. The symbol of Egypt in this prophetic allegory in the midst of which the altar of the Lord and a memorial for the Lord, a pillar, will be set is our body that by being adopted by the redemption of Christ it will have the stronghold of life ruling inside Egypt is our body the adoption of Christ Assyria in this allegory is our soul that is lost in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and restored uh, resurrected in his I now see, I, I have great respect uh, now for these in the East. And so Assyria, if you know, there were many that fought in their time together, but it turns out that God loves them. God loves Egypt and loves Assyria. And we will love them in ourselves. We need to find them in ourselves. This great highway upon which the Assyrians will come to Egypt and the Egyptians will go to Assyria so that they can serve the Lord together symbolizes the collaboration of our lips with the reasonable abilities of our soul. This great highway from the lips to the reasonable abilities of our mind. the abilities of our soul that is renewed by the spirit of our mind which is the mind of Christ in our spirit and so this great highway from our lips to our renewed mind the symbol of Israel which will be third it with the other two is a symbol of our spirit in the form of our sacred person the symbol of the blessings in the midst of the land which the Lord will provide is the rod of our mouth that praises God. To examine yourself uh, on this testimony, whether we have this guarantee of rapture, is our victory over the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, who deceives all of the world, and our victory over him. And as we know, we can do this only when we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of 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 his testimony and not love our lives even to the death and so this is 
how we are able, able to perform absolute victory and overcome the serpent. What right we have again to this bright and morning star. We need to uh, fix our relationship with Egypt and Assyria and Israel, all three, so that he, the Lord can uh, throw down the accuser. We cleanse our conscience from dead works, which allows us to overcome the ancient serpent and using the teaching of the cross of Christ we did not love our lives even to the death our soul and we absolutely separate ourselves and deliver ourselves from the producer and maker of sin who is the old man this very interesting blessing and this blessing gives us the right to this bright and morning star the devil had a name he had a morning uh, morning star that was his name and he was thrown from heaven and crashed upon the earth this was this was his name morning star and those people in in whose bodies the resurrection of Christ will reign they will have the right to the name to the promise the more bright morning star so that they to have the right to the bright morning star we need to to overcome the one that became arrogant and tried to take the position of God. And we do this by the truth in the cross. And so our goal is to receive the right to this wonderful promise. May you be blessed in your prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the right to be upon this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that today we can magnify you as our Lord who is our strength by our ability to magnify your word. Magnify you as our Lord who is our strength. And we allow your commandments to weigh us upon the scales of righteousness and cleanse us from all filth of the flesh and spirit to lift you up as our Lord who is our fortress so we can approach you so that we can be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven to lift you up as our Lord who is our deliverer when you will allow us and provide will provide us deliverance and give us the ability to grow uh, fruits of righteousness and we proclaim today Lord you are our rock of Israel when you allow us to go up to heights that are unreachable for us and we see those areas you have redeemed and we magnify you as our redeemer and we thank you that this gives us the right that they will know us in hell on earth and in heaven when we will magnify you as our redeemer we thank you that you have redeemed us from sin. You have redeemed us from the curse of the law. You have redeemed us from the sinful conduct passed on to us from our parents. You have redeemed us from ourselves and we no longer belong to ourselves. And we thank you, Lord, that you have redeemed our spirit, our soul, and have adopted our body. We thank you, Lord, for this revelation 
that you care and love our body and our soul and you want to place your throne and establish your throne the throne of David in our soul and our body also by our renewed mind by our gentle and meek mouth which proclaims your word may your throne be established not just in our spirit but also in our soul and also in our body we magnify you Lord and we pray Lord that today an altar be constructed in Egypt because you call Egypt your nation you call Assyria the work of your hands and you call Israel your inheritance and this happens Lord when we can receive the seed of the preached word about redemption which includes not just our spirit but also our body and our soul and you want to do this work not just in heaven you want to accomplish the fullness of your redemption here on earth and before you show yourself glorious in that day you promised in your word you will first come and be glorified in your saints and in the bodies of your saints may you be glorified Lord with your resurrection in the body of your saints we thank you that we could pay the appropriate price for this and we have made the decision to walk in righteousness and to speak truth in our heart we have made the decision to be wise children and to depart from any form of evil depart from any services where there is no godly order and that does not have a person whom you have sent depart from all political rebels and depart from all people who are angry and also depart from those who have the look of godliness but have denied its power depart from those who think that godliness is only to be used for personal benefits depart from those who are corrupt company depart from those who violate the sovereign rights of your saints and depart from those from all anger whether it be legitimate or not legitimate in our heart we thank you Lord for this revelation the word that we hear that we may have forgotten but today we take it from the table of showbreads and we thank you Lord for it that this truth was once placed by you by your messenger and we are resurrecting this revelation and we make our voluntary decision to step upon the neck of our legitimate or not legitimate wrath so that it we not give place to the devil because we want to acknowledge you as our God we want to acknowledge you as the ultimate judge and we want to collaborate our faith with your faith and so allow us to know our boundaries and not violate the boundaries of your saints and when the Lord violates our boundaries when someone violates our boundaries allow us to become free of this wrath before the setting of the Sun we thank you Lord that 
you have allowed us to pass from the state of death to the state of life the atmosphere of life through brotherly love which can demonstrate itself in the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord and the blood of Jesus Christ in this brotherly love when we walk in the light when we have fellowship with one another <clears throat> can cleanse us can cleanse us not just from our sins but can cleanse us from dead works cleanse us from all filth of the flesh and spirit when we are within the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord and within the atmosphere of brotherly love we thank you for your promises that you have given for, to those who overcome that you allow us to rule the nations within our essence and they as clay vessels will be crushed and you will give us the morning bright morning star and we receive <clears throat> this promise today and we are fertilized with this promise and we thank you for it that you have allowed us to conceive and to bear Methuselah you have allowed us to establish the justification that we have received freely by grace and now we pray Lord allow us to grow this fruit of righteousness so that we can please you and when we grow him <clears throat> you promise that in this wilderness of sanctification you will return to us the vineyards you allow us to demonstrate your holiness and when we demonstrate your holiness you will allow us to demonstrate your justice you return to us the valley of Accor we thank you Lord for these 50 shekels for this revelation this revelation about the adoption of our body this is your inheritance and we thank you for this revelation that we receive that we grow <clears throat> you allow us Lord also to sing in these prayers as in the day of our youth as in the day <clears throat> we came out of Egypt thank you for your youth not just the youthfulness that is physical but the new person that we have and when we're clothed into our new person that is created in accordance to God and true righteousness and holiness we will be clothed into your eternal youth into your eternal resurrection into your eternal glory and we thank you for your youthful youthfulness and we thank you Lord for delivering not just Israel but you delivering also and redeeming Assyria in us and have loved Egypt and have placed your altar that once was in our sacred person in Israel you placed it in Egypt and you have placed it in Egypt when we began to proclaim may the resurrection of Christ, resurrection of Christ rule within our mortal bodies you have placed your altar in Egypt and you have allowed us to walk upon this great highway from Egypt to Assyria and from Assyria to Egypt and to think and meditate about this wonderful promise which you allow us to receive together with your chosen remnant allow us Lord to obtain your mercy and receive this great promise 
and to share this wonderful destiny, this great destiny, with your chosen remnant. We bless, Lord, your church. We bless, Lord, your saints. We thank you, Lord, for the revelation that we had in our heart for the person of God who has revealed these precious and wonderful promises that have become the possession of our heart and that today have become the possession not just of our heart, but our meditation and our confessions. We thank you, Lord, for your truth that abides in our heart and that gives us the right to do your good work in the works of, of justice <clears throat> in your sanctification in your holiness we thank you Lord and we pray just as the word of our Pastor Arkady helped us, supported us, lifted us up resurrected us and healed us we pray Lord that you demonstrate your mercy and according to your might that this word also by our prayer may serve for his full restoration we thank you Lord for the service we thank you for the service that you have given to us that and the word that you gave to our pastor that the word that is then going to be placed upon our table of showbreads but we will wait for what you want to say we want to be wise children and we're ready to hear your words your word that will not just comfort us but also the word that will correct us the word that will be able to circumcise our uncircumcised ear allow it to demonstrate itself and allow us to show ourselves as wise children who regard the word and tremble before it the word they receive from their their father thank you lord that thank you lord and father that we can demonstrate we can proclaim these words and love for the great jerusalem we can demonstrate by this by loving those that are around us and that are with us that is our who are our neighbors and by by how we treat them we can demonstrate how we will treat you and have a relationship with you and you yourself also see this we pray Lord and we call for your fire your devouring fire in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in our essence so that it would be tested and everything that does not correspond to your godly standards so that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ all of this be devoured with the holiness of your fire Jesus had said you hunger that the fire burn and it already burns and we call for this godly fire that makes our old man unhappy the soul that has not been yet submerged into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ but it makes our spirit joyful it makes our renewed our, our soul renew and it makes our lips gentle and meek so that it would have the characteristics of your gold thank you that you have given us the right to live with the devouring fire of your holiness may your name be blessed our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.